Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church. Good to have you. My name's Tim. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, we're in a series of lessons on the story of Joseph. I like stories. I love telling stories. If you're around me very much, I love movies. They are stories on film. And I um, watched a Glenn Ford uh, movie just the other day. And so um, uh, there's something about a good story. The Bible is full of these stories. I'm glad the Bible hasn't got a bunch of theological jibber-jabber, aren't you? I'm glad it's story form because I can relate to a story. I can understand a story when I read it. It, it touches us. It teaches us. There's a woman, uh, an American author by the name of Alex Krotowski, who said these words here up on the screen. Stories are memory aids, instruction manuals, and moral compasses. And that's what a story does. It has this impact on us. Kind of reminds me of a passage we looked at a few weeks back in our introduction in Romans 15, where Paul said these words about the Old Testament stories. He said, whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. He's saying the purpose of the stories of the Old Testament, the things that were recorded in the past, are written to encourage us, to inspire us on how to live. And notice how to endure through the tough times. The author of Hebrews kind of touches on this. He talks about some things that were happening in the Old Testament. And he says these words about the Old Testament. He says, it's a picture of the good things to come. And he's referring specifically about the sacrificial system and how they used to sacrifice animals. And Jesus Christ is the reality of that word picture from the Old Testament. We've been focusing on an Old Testament story. One of the biggest and best stories in the Bible. We have more recorded about Joseph than we have most Bible characters here. And that's the story of Joseph. And uh, we've been looking at this story for several weeks now. Because it's a great word picture of the good that comes when you and I depend on God. When we really depend on God. Now today I want to look at another dreamer. I want to take a break from Joseph and look at another dreamer in this passage. Most of the time he's overlooked uh, in, in, uh, in the Bible as a dreamer. And I'm talking about Jacob. Jacob is Joseph's dad. And uh, you find that he has... In his lifetime, God has spoken to him many times and has spoken to him through dreams. In fact, one of the famous uh, dreams in the Bible is the dream that Jacob had in Genesis 28. And it's a dream, by the way, it's a dream that encompasses a ladder that is coming from heaven. And with this, this dream from heaven comes a promise and a purpose. It's important to remember that. A promise and a purpose. I know a lot of times we get hung up on a, on the American dream or you've got a dream. You'll have a school, I remember my guidance counselor saying, Tim, what do you dream of being? I want to be a carpenter. That's my dream, you know. That was my dream. I didn't realize that God has a dream. And it, it can be, it's, and it's usually different. It is different than my personal dream. I'm not talking about if you've got a dream this morning of what you want to do with your life. Today we're looking at a dream where God wants to do with our lives. That's what Jacob is having. He's having this dream from God. It's his plan for his life. It's his purpose, what he wants him to do on this earth. And uh, maybe you've asked that question before. Why am I here? What on earth am I here for? You're here to fulfill God's plan. 
That's what you're here for. And we see this dream kind of played out in Genesis 28. Uh, Jacob is in this area, this land called Haran. And it means, the word literally means mountainous, harsh, desolate, desert. Do you get the picture it's a bad place, it's a hard place? It is, it is a tough place to be. And it says here in chapter 28 in Genesis, if you want to read with me, it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out to Haran. When he came to a place, he spent the night there because the sun had set. He found a stone and laid his head on it to go to sleep. He uses a rock for a pillow. I don't know about you, but, you know, you know, my pillow, that guy, I mean, this is not the design he's got. And sure enough, you know, Jacob's using a rock for a pillow. I remember one time going on a fishing trip and I saw a guy use a, a dead fish for a pillow. I kid you not. A dead, bloated fish. And I thought, wow. And so he's using a rock here. And it says in verse 12, Jacob dreamed that there was a ladder resting on the earth and reaching up into heaven. He saw angels of God going up and coming down the ladder. Then Jacob saw the Lord standing above the ladder and he said, and this is what the Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your grandfather, and the God of your father, Isaac. I will give you and and your descendants the land on which you are now sleeping. I don't know how excited Jacob would be, you know, middle of a desert. You're giving me this, huh? (laughs) But he says, you're going to get this. Your descendants will be as many as the dust on the earth. That's a lot of people, folks. A lot of people. You realize now, Jacob is looking for a wife. He's all by himself. And he's saying, you're going to have a, your family is going to grow as many as the dust in the earth. They will spread west and east, north and south. And listen to this. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. You're going to have a major impact on the world. A lot of people say this is a reference to Jesus, the Messiah's coming through Jacob's family. Then he says this, I am with you and I'll protect you everywhere you go and I'll bring you back to this land. I'll not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. What's going on here? There's this ladder that stretches into heaven and its, and its footing is on earth. Angels are coming down and walking and climbing up the ladder. Jacob is having this dream. A lot of people have lots of ideas about this dream. Let me give you just my, my take on it. God is communicating in Jacob's harshest, hardest moment. God is there. A lot of times we think God is nowhere when we're going through the ringer, right? And just like Joseph, who was in the pit, you could say Jacob is having a pitiful moment. And it's a moment, it's hard, it's harsh, and God is there. And God speaks to us like He does Jacob in our hardest times. So maybe this morning you're going through something really tough. You're going, you know, I I just feel like God's... I don't think God's anywhere to be found. Can I tell you, God is in the middle of it right now. He is there in your difficulty. And He's talking to Jacob. What do we know about Jacob? He's a swindler. He's a shyster. He, He robbed his brother of his birthright. His name means... To supplant. What's that mean? It means to take, to grasp, to get a hold of, to take something that belongs to somebody else. I used to say he was a used car salesman. 
If you're a you sell used cars, I'm sorry, I don't know. I, I, I mean, he just, he's a swindler. And it's so refreshing. You say, well, why are you bringing that up? God's speaking to somebody that isn't perfect, far from being perfect. Aren't you glad God does that? God speaks. He speaks to you. He'll speak to you. He wants you to have His dream wherever you are. Oh, I'm a mess, Tim. God wouldn't want to use me. You want to bet? The Bible says in, in somewhere in Romans, I think it's Romans 5, that very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. And for a good man, they talk about it. But for the bottom of the barrel, Christ showed His greatest love by dying for them. So if you're, you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel, you're the scum, let me tell you something, God loves you and wants you to, to, wants you involved in His plan for your life. He wants to use you. Not use you and throw you away, but use you to make a difference in this earth. He says there, I will be with you, I'll protect you. I, and I notice he says there in verse 15, I am with you and I'll protect you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, Jacob. Why is he saying this kind of stuff to him? I won't leave you either. I'm never going to leave you. Why is he saying this? Well, if it's anything like my experience, when I've taken hold of God's dream for my life, I've learned this, that God's dream and plan is not easy. It's tough when you embrace, when you take hold of God's plan for your life. It isn't always rosy. It isn't always easy. And so he wants to remind us. You know, I used to say this. Life, remember I, I've said this, life is kind of like this. And then I went, but it's also like this. It goes sideways. I tell you, I learned from Joseph and Jacob, life is like this. It's like I take three steps forward and two steps back. I have setbacks on the way constantly. I have difficulty on the way. This isn't easy. It wasn't easy for, it isn't easy for God. It wasn't easy for God. It's not easy for me. But He promises to be with you and to be with us through these setbacks in life. And Jacob has had his own set of setbacks. His brother hates him right now. He's ran from home and he's in the middle of nowhere and God gives him this dream in this harsh, parched land. And he wakes up and look what the Bible says. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, but I didn't know it. There you go, folks. I didn't know God was was there. God is there in your hard place. I, I didn't know He was there. Jacob realizes, I didn't know you'd be here too. You'd be in a hard, harsh time in my life. He was afraid and he said, this place frightens me. What frightens him? The, you know, the hard stuff that's going on or the presence of God? He has this frightening thought. If God is with me all the time, i got to get serious about Him. See, J Jacob was never serious about God until this moment. He kind of played around in life. And he's a goof. And finally, he's realizing, this is a very sacred, scary, frightening moment of my life. And he says, he goes, it is surely the house of God. Now, if I said, we're going to go over to Bob's house, he may have to clean it up before we get there. Okay, if you like my house. Now, what am I insinuating? Bob lives in his house, right? He's saying here in the middle of this harsh, hard place, 
This is God's house. God lives in moments like this. He doesn't leave in moments like this. It's the gate of heaven. In the toughest, hardest times of my life, I have access to heaven. God is in the middle of it. He rose up early in the morning, says, took the stone he had slept on and set it up on its end. Then he poured olive oil on the top of it. At first, the name of the city was Luz, but Jacob named it Bethel, which means what? The house of God. And I just, what I want you to see this, is this morning is, you know, Jacob wasn't real serious. He was, he was a deceiver. And yet God would, in His grace and His love, wants to speak to this man, wants to communicate to this man, wants to connect with this man, and He wants His dream. He wants to give Him something because I want to use you. And this dream, folks, changes everything for Jacob. It changes his life completely. Look what he does in verses 20 through 22. Then Jacob made a promise. He said, I want God to be with me, to protect me on this journey. I want him to give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so I'll not be able to, uh, so I will be able to return in peace to my father's house. If the Lord does these things, he will be my God. This stone which I've set up on this end will be the house of God. And I'm going to give God a tenth of all that He gives me. He makes this vow. He says, Lord, you take care of me. I'm going to follow you forever. And guess what? God follows through and He takes care of Jacob. He finds a wife. In fact, He finds two. Figure that one out. He has two. And he has not just one child, he, he has a bunch of kids, a bunch of boys. And, and this dream of his family becoming large, there's 66 of them. It's grown to 66 people. And he has four in Egypt he doesn't know about. Joseph, his wife, and two children, Ephraim and Manasseh. There's actually 70. He doesn't know that yet. See, years have passed. Forty years have passed since Haran. He's had his family, and then, and in that time, he's lost one of his sons named Joseph. He thinks he's dead. A famine comes, and we see Jacob learning some things about his dream that you and I can learn. I want to say again to you, like Joseph and like Jacob, very important you catch this. God's dream for you isn't without some difficulties. And just like Jacob, and just like Joseph, who went through tough times, it developed him, it shaped him and prepared him. I want you to know this morning, whatever you're going through, what you will go through, what you've been through, they're designed to prepare you. To fulfill God's plan. That's what they're for. I mean, Jacob had a lot of rough edges knocked off of him too. Remember, he was a swindler and a cheat. And so he goes with his, gets with his uncle, who's corrupt, more corrupt than him. I want your daughter. I want to marry her. Well, it'll work for me for seven years. He works seven years and he gets Leah, not Rachel. I love that passage where it says, he, he, takes the veil off, and it's Leah. 
<laughs> it's like you can almost sense a disappointment. <laughs> Leah. And he and he, he gets Rachel, but he has to work another seven years. He works fourteen years, and and then his uncle keeps trying to swindle him and swindle him, and God keeps protecting him and blessing him till he ends up with most of the livestock of his uncles. And then he leaves. He finally gets out of there. We're leaving, and they get out of Dodge. They finally go, and they get to Canaan, where God said He'd bring him back. And his family's growing. But now it's 20 years. This is where we get into the, 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 the dream of Joseph now and all that's happened. It's been 20 years since Joseph's disappearance. And so it's the second year of a famine. And they got to go get some food. What are the three lessons here we can learn about Jacob in, in the story of Joseph? Well, the first one is, I can lose God's dream for my life. I can lose it. I can misplace it. We've been talking about finding it. That's our theme this year, finding it. And here, Jacob loses it. He loses this dream. He loses track of it. It's been 20 years since Joseph has been gone. It's the second year of the famine. And it's so devastating, it's even, the famine has even affected Jacob's family. And he says, we gotta do something. I've heard that Egypt has some food. Go get some food. So he sends all of his boys, except Benjamin, he sends his boys. I don't know why he sends them all. Why didn't he send one or two? He sends them all. And they go to Egypt. If you remember, they get to Egypt, and Joseph is already seven years of plenty. It's in the second year when it's a famine, and Joseph is, is giving out the food. He's in charge. He's second in command. He's so dressed up, they can't tell it's him, but he can tell it's them. That's my brothers. And the Bible says Joseph remembered, all of a sudden remembered his dream. He realized, oh my, it's happening. And he has some fun with them. You're spies. We're not spies. We're not really spies. We're hungry. We just need some help. You're spies. No, no, we're not spies. Please don't lock us up. I think you're spies. We're not spies. Back and forth they go. And he's, he says, you're spies. And they start going, well, and they get in a corner and they start talking. And Joseph can understand what they're saying. You know, I knew this was going to happen to us. You remember what we did to Joseph? Remember him pleading with us? Man, this is... Like they're pleading back at Joseph. Like it's kind of, you know, I'm getting back at him a little bit. What are we... I, what, is, what is God trying to do here? And Joseph's like... <laughs> They come back. We're not spies. We're hungry. See, we have a family back home. Oh, tell me about your family. Well, I, we have a father, and there's and one of the brothers. He's the youngest. He st- he stayed at home. Oh, there's a younger brother. Tell me about him. Well, you know, uh, Rachel. You know, uh, uh, after we lost one, she had another one, and his name's Benjamin. Oh, that's nice. Well, how's da- how's your dad? You can almost see him say, how's dad? I mean, how's your dad? And he goes, well, he's doing great. He's, you know, he's older. He's leaning, you know, he limps a lot, you know, because of that, that he wrestled with God, you know. And I, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. Blah, 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 blah. Go, okay. Well, here's the idea, guys. I got an idea. I really want to see your younger brother. Well, well you know, let, let me, wait a minute. Listen to me. I want to see. I want to see your younger brother. In fact, you're going to bring him back. I don't know if we can do that. 
Sir, you're, you're doing it. In fact, Simeon, or one of your brothers, this guy here, and he points at Simeon, uh, lock him up and puts him in jail for a little while. I'm keeping him until you bring him back. They grab the food, they go home, they get home. They return with food, and Jacob's like, Boy, look at you. How much food did you get? Oh, we got a lot of food. Where's Simeon? Huh? Where's Simeon? Who? Simeon! Uh, he's still in Egypt. What's he doing there? Well, he, they kept him. You see, Dad, now listen, they want to, and you can see Jacob already shaking that. Look, wait a minute, wait a minute. They, they want to see Benjamin. He wants to see Benjamin. He made his promise and we got to, why'd you tell him about our family for? Why did you do that? Why didn't you lie? Like I do when I'm in a fix. Why'd you tell him all of that stuff? You know, was it, how, how's it go? TMI, too much information? Yeah. What are you doing? Well, we can't return without Benjamin. Jacob has a meltdown. Look what he says here in, in Genesis 41. You're robbing me of my children. Joseph is gone. Simeon is gone. Now you want to take Benjamin too. Everything's going against me. Then Reuben said to his father, You can kill my two sons if I don't bring Benjamin back to you. I'll be responsible for him and I'll promise to bring him back. But Jacob replied, My son will not go with you. His brother Joseph is dead. And he's all I have left. How would you like to hear that? If you're a sibling. He's the only son I got left. What about us? Are we chopped liver? What's the deal? Then he says, if anything should happen to him on your journey, you'd, you'd send me this grieving white-haired man to his grave. Listen, folks, this is the guy who saw the gateway to heaven in the most horrible place on earth, and he's talking like he's forgot that. Well, shouldn't he be saying something like this? Lord, guys, don't worry. It's, we're in a tight spot. But God has come through before. I've, I've heard stories where He's come through. Uh, our family, you know, great grandpa, or, you know, he didn't have any kids, but your dad, your grandpa was born, and and my dad went through stuff, and I, God talked to him, and I had a dream too, and it's the same promise, and I'm telling you, it's going to be okay. We just need to depend on the Lord, so let's go. He doesn't say anything like that, folks. Here's a guy that says, "You're going to be my God." Is now going. Like he, like he's forgotten everything. What's happened to dad? He's the opposite. What's happened to dad? Dad has lost his dream is what's happened to dad. I remember years ago, uh, June 29th was, is my spiritual birthday. And I remember, oh my goodness, 1977. That's how long ago it was. I finally, Denise and Mike Napier and Denise were standing with me and I finally said, okay. You know, I finally surrendered and I got baptized and I gave my life to Christ. I remember Denise and Mike saying to me, now Tim, before you do this, you need to understand some. It could get pretty rough. Oh no, that's not good. You know, what are you talking about? No, no, you, your family's going to have a problem with this. Oh no, my mom will understand. My dad will understand. My brothers will understand. They didn't understand. 
I had no idea. I thought they'd be happy for me. They were furious with me. I remember getting up that first Sunday morning. I remember getting up. I had, I had to set an alarm because nobody would wake me up. And as I'm dressing, I hear my mother crying in her bedroom. She's so bothered with me. I won't be going to church with her anymore. I'm going somewhere else. And there's a reason, because the church I was attending would not embrace some of the teachings of Jesus. And so I, I'm getting ready. I get in the car, and it's so sad. It's so quiet in the house. I start it up. I drive, and I'm driving 18 miles to church. It used to be just two miles. Now it's 18 miles. I remember driving and crying the whole way. What have I done? I'm reminded of the passages where Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Your enemies will be the members of your own household. I thought that was for other people, not me. And I get to church. Let me tell you how important it is, church, for new believers, the church for new believers and guests. Because you don't know what they're going through. I come to church... And there's a line of women, Susan Dotson, Betty Armstrong, Diane Napier, Irma Humphrey, and Norma Doty, my mother-in-law. There's about five or six, seven of them, you know. I walk in, and I guess I look like a mess. You know, my eyes all shot and dirt, you know, still teary-eyed. And they hug me and kiss me and say, welcome Welcome to your family. I go, yeah, but you, let me tell you what happened this morning. Welcome to your family. My mom wouldn't, welcome. Hugging and kissing on me. I felt like one of them babies getting passed around. Poor old Judah. It's gonna happen, you know. And I mean, I'm getting passed, and hugged and hugged, and I'm melting. You know, Jesus promises if you'll give up your mother for his sake, he'll give you a hundred. I only needed five or six. I didn't need any more. It meant so much to me. A month would go by. I would lead a friend to Christ who would work with me. And then another couple of months would go by and a, a couple of guys, preacher boys by the name of Stan and Lyle Bumpus, decide I've studied with them. They know my story. And they decide they're going to get baptized. They, they were taught. Their preacher, preacher kids weren't taught that baptism was important at all. And so here I am in the baptistry, you know, again, I've only been a Christian for about three months, and I'm baptizing two of my best friends, and I take one out of the water, and I go, isn't this awesome? And my tongue comes out, you know. And there's some people cheering, but not everybody. And then we come down to the front of the building, and back then, everybody walked in a line, like a funeral, I don't know what it was, a, a procession here, or hugging the people that died, you know, they're now alive in Christ, and they're hugging them. And this lady walks up to me and goes, you know, this isn't a show. That's right, it's not a show, it's the real thing. I didn't know what she was meaning. Mike Napier standing beside me, he is fuming. That Sunday night, he gets up, preaches a sermon called How to Discourage New Believers, and he just rakes the church over the coals. Now, this is Sunday night service, folks. I don't know if you know anything about Sunday night people, but people who go to church on Sunday night, they're the good ones. 
And he's just, boom, boom. I'll tell you something else. You're discouraging people. And nobody's beating on the pulpit. And I'm just sinking in my chair going, oh my. That was my first encounter or second encounter. First one was tough enough with mom. And, and by the way, that all changed. Thank God that's all changed. But that was hard to handle. But then to have Christians start beating up on me. And I learned that the critics come. God's dream. He gives you his dream. Satan's going to try to take it back. He's going to try to take it out. Well, not take it back. Take it out. And he'll use whatever he can. I, I have been criticized. I've done my own share too. I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't done my own share of criticizing Christians. But I, I've been criticized. I've been slandered. I've had people say this and that about me. And I just go, you know, um, they could say that about Jacob, huh? They could say that about Joseph. They could say that about you. And there's been times I almost went, enough of this dream. This is too hard. This is too hard. But a couple of times, i got to tell you, I've forgotten the dream. Lost track of this dream that God's given me because of something tragic. Now you think about this. Jacob didn't hit a pothole in life. He hit a crater. He lost his son, his favorite son. The son he thought was going to fulfill the dream. Maybe you've, you, you know, something's happened. Something tragic has happened. I want to be as honest and careful as I can. Some of you have lost family members and you've not been the same. And I'm not saying snap out of it. I'm not going to say that. You don't snap out of that. You just live through it. But I want you to know your dream, God's dream for you, is still waiting. Some of you here, you've been burned by somebody. Somebody's took advantage of you. Somebody's been ungrateful to you. Someone's gossiped about you. Someone has hit you below the belt. And you're thinking, that's enough. I'm not doing this anymore. And so you've just decided to take it easy. You're here every Sunday. But you're taking it easy. Guys, the world's killing each other right now. They're shooting each other. And God's plan is, according to Zechariah 9.10, to scatter His people throughout the world and they will remember the Lord. We're the salt of the world to be distributed. If we don't get this figured out, folks, we're going to see more mass shootings, more raping, more murder, ridiculous laws passed. How do I know when I'm losing God's dream for my life? How do I know it? Well, look at Jacob's response here. And we get it. First, I'm negative. You want to know if you're losing your dream? Losing God's dream for your life, you become this negative person. Pessimistic, fatalistic, Murphy's Law instead of God's Law kind of rules your, your view of things. Jacob here jumps to the conclusion, Joseph is dead, Simeon's dead. Let me ask you a question. Are they? Is that true? No, they're alive. 
See, Jacob is believing a lie. And I find when I start forgetting and losing God's dream for my life, I become this person whose favorite word is no. No, I won't serve. No, I won't do that. No, I won't go there. No, I won't give that. No, no. Like Jacob, we need to take Benjamin. No! Not going to happen. Why not? What if something bad happens? What if something bad happens? Don't you understand? Everything is against me. Self-pity, negativism. Oh, that's such a wonderful place to be, isn't it? Hmm. See, the truth is, God is not against him, and God is not against you. God is working out his plan in Jacob's life, and God is working out his plan in yours. So I become this negative person. Second thing, uh, second way to know is I tend to approach problems from a worldly point of view. Jacob had this dream. Folks, listen. It's awful this way in Haran. Rocks, it looks like Mars for crying out loud, you know? Craters and rocks everywhere. Nothing alive. It's mountainous, dry, parched. And he looks around and... But he also sees in the middle of this, this ladder, something vertical, something God is involved. God is connected. God is there. And he sees it all. Oh, I see this, but I see this. Somehow Jacob has lost sight of this. And all he can see is this now. That's how you know you're, lo- you're losing God's dream for your life. You see, everything relates to you and not how it relates to the Lord. How, it re- how it's going to affect you. Look what, again, what's, what, what kind of things does Jacob say? He says, you know, you, it's your fault. It's your fault that I don't have my sons. I've lost Joseph. I've lost Simeon. And it's your fault this is happening. Listen to me this morning. The sons are not the reason it's happening. God is the reason it's happening. But Jacob can't recognize it. He could. He would have before, but he can't see it now. That's why sometimes things happen to us. I don't know if it's from God, from the devil, or it's my own hand. You know why? You're all confused. You left God out of the picture. When you leave God out of the picture, out goes his dream too. And Jacob, he's having, he's negative all the time, crotchety, negative. He sees everything from a worldly point of view rather than from God's perspective. He's lost sight of that. And the third thing is, I grow resistant to new things. Let me ask you a question. Ask yourself this question. As I grow older, am I becoming more flexible or more brittle? As I grow older... Am I more flexible with what God's doing or more brittle and unmovable? See, Jacob is closed-minded. We want to take Benjamin. No, I'm not budging. I'm not moving. Think about this. Jacob would rather play it safe and starve than take a step into the unknown. Now, I want to think about this. This is what I, I, I'm 62 and I'm still learning this. I had somebody say this to me one time. I said, you know, I'm frightened to do, to take a step here. 
Or I don't know what to do. I've never been in this situation before. And, and this person said, that's good, Tim, because that means you're in uncharted territory. That's good for you. I want you to think about this. When you embrace God's plan for your life and you, you embrace His dream for your life, He's going to take you places you normally wouldn't go. We want you to go to Egypt. No. We want you to take this responsibility. No. We want you to work on this habit. No. We're stubborn. I thought about this the other day. I don't know what you do in your dreams, but I, sometimes I fly. Anybody here flew in your dream? Anybody besides me? Good. There's some more insane people here. Good. Anybody swim underwater, but they can breathe underwater? I've done that. Me too. Me too. Wow, wow, we're connected here. You know, I notice that when I'm dreaming in dreams, I do things I normally can't do. Is there a lesson there? When I embrace God's dream, I find myself doing things I normally could not do. Why? Because He gives me the power and the ability. And Jacob has, he should be going, God will be with me. He said everywhere, that includes Egypt. God will work with me. God will protect me. I'll be able to handle this, but he doesn't do any of that. He fights. He keeps fighting. He keeps fighting what God's trying to do. Let me ask you a question. Have you lost God's dream for you? You used to have it. What happened? Have you forgotten how to fly? Remember Hook? Robert Williams is there and he's an adult and, and Dustin Hoffman is Hook and he says, I remember you much smaller. He's grown up. He's got kids. And Hook's kidnapped the kids and he's got them on the mast, uh, up on the main mast. He looks at him and goes, you're Peter Pan. Stop the charade. Stop the charade is what he says. Stop the charade. Fly up there and get your kids. And Robin Williams goes to the mast, starts climbing up the ropes, and and he gets up there and he's trying to reach for his son. And remember his son goes, Come on, Dad, Mommy could do it. And he's and Hook is looking at Shmee going, Gee, what is this? He goes, I'm telling you, it's him, it's him. And he looks at him and goes, He's forgotten everything. Remember when you used to fly? We need some service done. I'm on it. Well, you don't even have to ask me. I'll just show up. Share my faith? You don't have to tell me to do that. You don't have to tell me to, to learn how to study with people. I want to, I want to share the greatest news on the planet. You have to, have to beg me or guilt me or push me or kick me. What's happened? I'm not leading a group anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. Why not? You got burned. I understand. I got burn marks all over me. Can I tell you why you've been burned? And it hurts. I know it hurts. It's hard. I know it's hard. But what something worse has happened, you've lost your dream. Have you lost it? Because the second thing I learn about Jacob about this other dreamer is this. Whatever has happened to me, God's dream remains. It doesn't change. 
I don't know what's happened to Jacob. I can say, I'm not sure what it is. It looks like maybe the loss of his son is what started this whole thing where he's lost it. But the second thing you learn is no matter what happens to me, God's dream remains. I was thinking about this. This is a side thought. I believe our dream, God's dream keeps speaking to us even when we've lost it. How do you know that, Tim? Well, I see it in Jacob. You know, he loses Joseph. And I do believe he thinks it's over. But Joseph is not the son that Christ is going to come through. Which son is it? Anybody know? Little Judah Gill. Yeah, Judah. It, he's coming through Judah. And when you find, when you find the boys coming back and they've run out of food, they've run out of food. They've been there, now, now they gotta go to dad. Dad, look, we got we gotta, we gotta take Benjamin, we gotta go eat some food or we're gonna starve. I told you once, I'm not telling you again, we're not doing there, we're not going there. He is not leaving. If something happens to him, I'll die. But dad, we're gonna die out here altogether. And if we quit goofing around here, we'd have made two trips by now. You know who's saying that to him? Judah. Judah. And it's, it's Judah that finally convinces Jacob to go, okay, I guess you can take him. And if he dies, he dies. Isn't that something? Sometimes our dream tries to speak to us. God's dream keeps talking to us. It doesn't go anywhere because I've moved. Just be, Listen, just because you've been unfaithful at times doesn't mean God becomes unfaithful. He's still faithful and keeps His dream in front of you and tries to remind you, this is what I want you here on this earth for. This is what I want you to do. You know, the brothers finally take uh, Benjamin and... They come and you you know Joseph reveals himself. I'm your brother. They're like, huh? I'm your brother. He takes maybe some stuff off. Oh my goodness, it's Joseph. And you know they reunite. It's it's a great great moment. And then they come back. The sons come back uh, with Benjamin, with Simeon. They come back and they and they say, Dad, look what the Bible says here in verse in chapter forty five. So they went up to out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. The most powerful word in this passage to me is the word still. He's still alive. The dream is still alive. Without Joseph, you know, Judah's going to starve. Guys, God is using this family to get His plan done and He will fulfill his plan it's going to be done he says they say he's alive in fact he's the ruler of Egypt remember that silly dream he had and we thought it was just about him ruling over our family it was bigger than that he's in charge of a country well what's 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 Jacob's response he's stunned he doesn't believe it no way but then they told him everything Joseph said. Like what? I was sent here ahead of you. I was sent here, it says, to preserve the remnant. And Jacob all of a sudden goes, 
I know what that means. He's preserving the family so God can fulfill, oh my, oh my, God is going to fulfill, He's fulfilling His dream. And then they show Him the cart. Look at the cart. Now, I don't know what the cart looked like. I'd like to imagine. Maybe it was real colorful. Look at the limo He sent to take you with us. Well, this is nice. I like these colors. Wait a minute. That reminds me of a coat. Oh, my goodness. God is working here. It is Joseph. I've got it. And he says, I will go. Is he negative anymore? No. Is he, is he looking things from a worldly point of view anymore? No. Is, is he, is he stuck in his ways and he won't move? No, he's over a hundred years old. How would you like to be a part of a church with people over a hundred years old everywhere? We're thinking about maybe changing. You're not changing a thing! He's like, I'm going. He's, get out of my way. I'm getting in the, let's go. He's willing to take that risky step. He's no longer afraid. Why? Because he's realizing the dream never left. He can look at Judah and go, you know what he said about Judah later when he's blessing all the, you check it out. He says to Judah, Judah, your family will always rule and you'll always have a scepter in your hand until the real king comes. That's how convinced Jacob is like, I get it now. Look at the Bible says here in Psalms 138, Though I am surrounded by troubles, you'll bring me safely through them. Your power will save me. Now David's saying this, The Lord will work out His plans for my life. For your loving kindness, Lord, continues forever. Continues when things are looking hopeless. Continues when things don't look like it's going to work out. Continues when I'm going through some despair. Conti- what? His plan keeps working. And it was working in Joseph's life all that time. I don't know what you're going through. I'm, you know, the preacher doesn't know everything. But now you're going through something. God's plan hasn't changed, hasn't backed off one bit. What makes you think you can just back off and think, well, you know, he'll get somebody else. I'm sorry. You're stuck with him and he's stuck with you. He wants to use you again. And so Jacob packs up his bags and he heads to Egypt. So what do I know? I know I can lose my dream. I know that no matter what happens to me, it doesn't go, it's there. It's there. And the third thing is, God will help me get back His dream. If I've lost it, He can help me get it back. God has helped Jacob get back his vision for what God's wanting to do. So Israel, that is Jacob, it says, began his trip to Egypt. He first went, he returns, in other words, to Beersheba. What's this? This is where his dad had a dream, where his dad received the same promise. His dad Isaac. And he stops there, and look, here's how he gets his dream back. He worships God. He, he offers sacrifices. And during the night, God spoke to Israel in a dream. And I don't know if he'd ever, they had spoken to him since Haran or since Joseph had, 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 has gone. But now God is speaking to 
Jacob once again. And he says, Jacob, Jacob, reminding him of who he is, using his name that he had before it was changed when he was in Haran. And he says, here I am. Then God said, I am, I am God, the God of your father. Just like he said in Haran, the God of your father. Don't be afraid to go to Egypt. In Egypt, I will make you a great nation. Oh, I thought you'd make me a great nation in Canaan. See, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. I'm going to make you a great nation in Canaan. Did they become a great nation in Canaan? They became such a large nation, Egypt was terrified of them. I will go to Egypt with you, and I'll bring you out of Egypt again. I'll bring you back here. You're going to die in Egypt, but Joseph will close your eyes. Your family will end up being here. What's Jacob do? I notice he goes back, retraces his steps back when he had the dream. And maybe some of you here, if you've lost sight of your dream, go back when God first talked to you, when God first, when you knew that God was working in your life, and go back and go and open your heart again like you used to, surrender like you used to, sacrifice. He sacrifices. He worships God. He gets as close to God like he used to be. I know parents lost kids. They don't. They haven't been in their Bibles since they lost their child. Since the divorce. Since the death of their spouse. Since losing. I, I just can't read it. I just can't do it. I know it's a pothole. It's a crater in your life. And Jacob said, "I got to get back to this. I got to get back to the Lord." And when he does this then God's dream. Those familiar words are, are reson- resonate and they are repeated once again. I want to say to you, as we close this morning, I don't know if you've lost your dream. I want you to know it's always been there and you can get it back. You really can. God's dream is waiting for you, waiting for you to embrace it once again with enthusiasm. Get your passion back for God. And maybe it's simply listening to that dream. It's been trying to speak to you, maybe through a person or a situation. I, I, I'm not doing that anymore. And you find, why am I, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep bumping into this? I used to do that. Last time I checked, I didn't find the word retirement in the Bible. Man, I don't like that. Now maybe, maybe your, my role will change or your role will change, but God didn't say shut down. Well, I just feel like, you know, I deserve to be... You don't deserve that. Where do you get off that? That's so selfish. Shut down. Don't do that. Listen to that dream. That dream is speaking to you. I bet you this week some of you had your dream. Bump, you've bumped into your dream again. And you're like, well, like a stranger. What are you, who, who are you? I'm God's dream in your life and I'm trying to get back in. How? Why don't you just realize you've lost me? Surrender. Embrace me once again. Come back to me. What does it say in Revelation? Return to your first love. And when I do, then God's dream can be restored. Thank God. I'm so happy for Jacob that his dream was restored. I know what it's like to lose sight of it, lose track of it, and get it back. I don't want to lose it. 
I know you don't either. But if you have, you can get it back. And it starts with a simple, maybe a simple step of, I need to surrender again to the Lord. There's a card in your bulletin. It's an opportunity for you to, to respond to this lesson in some way. Maybe you've got a prayer request. Maybe there's something you want us to pray about. Uh, a team of people pray through those cards, not over them. They don't put their hand on them and just pray. They pray through those words, okay? They look at that. It's important enough for you to write down. It's important enough for them to bring it to God word for word. I want you to know we have people that do that. But maybe there's a decision you need to make. Maybe you've been in mothballs for a while. You've taken a break and it's lasted a number of years. It is time for you to get back in the game. Why not say, I'm making a commitment, not just to God, but to get back in the game, to get back in ministry, to get back into action. So that God's plan can be fulfilled through you, through this church. We're going to sing a song and give you a couple minutes to fill out that card if you haven't yet. And then we'll sing another song. We'll take up those cards along with our regular contribution. And uh, may God bless you. May God bless you with His dream for your life. Let's pray. Father, thank You for, um, again, stories. They are memory aids. They trigger memories. And they do instruct us. And they do, Father, guide our ethics, our morals, our, our heart. Lord, let this story instruct us how to live. Let the lessons from this other dreamer encourage us this morning, inspire us, so we can live in such a way that we experience greater hope, such hope that endures whatever comes our way. Thank you for this picture, this word picture, Father, that shows us of the good things to come. And Father, we pray that as we grasp your dream for us, for each of us, that we'll be a picture in this world of the good things to come. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.